0: Hey, everybody, welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle, partners on mission here at Acts 29. Mary, this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. How are you right now other than continually exhausted? Father
1: John, I'm still flying.
0: It's a great exhaustion, isn't it?
1: It is. We call it a holy exhaustion.
0: Yeah, we left uh, Columbus and then headed immediately into a retreat with the uh, presbyterate from the brothers in the Diocese of Toledo. Our good uh, brother and uh, older brother, great friend, uh, Bishop Daniel Thomas. And just a, a great time, it? was just wasn't a it?
1: beautiful time. Thanks be to God.
0: And we have another special guest returning with us today. So we what's do. our topic episode?
1: Yeah. So our topic today is Mission Starts Now.
0: Oh, Mission Starts now, not oh. like, not like two months from now, not like, not like sometime later. Now, now. it starts now. That's okay. Right. Well, then we should probably pray since mission has already begun since Let's we go. began this. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the grace of being alive right now in this time, with all that's happening in the world, in our country, in the church, for the countless opportunities that we have each and every day to bear witness, authentic, joyful, compelling witness to the difference that your son Jesus makes. We just pray that our conversation right now would be uplifting and edifying and inspiring for all our brothers and sisters who are listening in, and that you would uh, just send your Holy Spirit to be present to us. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Hey, maybe uh, before you introduce our special guest who's coming back, just put a a plug in once again. So our good brothers, uh, Rick Pop, Nick Jorgensen, who are on our team here at Acts 29, their podcast is about to
1: finally launch, isn't it? It's going to be unleashed on July 5th. That's right. We're so excited. So
0: July 5th, it's called The Mission, guys. It's going to be exceptional. We had a chance to listen to the very first episode. It's going to be really pushing into just... Trying to share... It's kind of like training the trainers, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Raising up leaders.
0: So Rick and Nick are just two of the finest guys I know. They are dripping with gifts. And uh, this is going to be so helpful in a particular way right? for for bishops, for their leadership teams, for pastors, for their leadership teams. But quite frankly, for like anybody who's leading anything, mom, dad, teacher, coach, I mean, there's so many lessons that are applicable. So July 5th, the mission guys. Uh, look for it on uh, all your favorite podcast channels,
1: right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So today, Father John, you and I are blessed to have Jim Musgrave with us. You guys might remember our very first conversation, I think it was just a little over a month ago when we were out at Mount Angel Abbey. And uh, we would just love to hear from you uh, what this last month has been like for you. It seems like you've been with us a lifetime. It's been glorious. Would love to hear um, what the Lord is doing.
2: Yeah, so you, you're seminary for Detroit. Yep. Seminary for archdiocese for Detroit. Yeah, and uh, thank you, Father John and Mary. It is uh, a pleasure to be with you. Um, and I think, kind of, what Mary just to speak into what you just said about uh, it's it's feels like it's been longer than just a month. That's because the I'll testament of way you guys. <laughs> when are you operate. going back? I know. Right?
1: <laughs> no, we want to keep really, you. <laughs> it's,
2: it's the way you guys operate. Like this is more than a team. This is a family, and I just feel like you've welcomed me with open and loving arms. And it's been, gosh. I I don't. I don't. I have pages and pages and pages of notes, um, and and it's just been such awesome to see you guys on mission. And um, thank you for making me feel so much a part of your family, because that does, that's what Acts is. It's it's a family. And yeah, yeah. Praise God.
0: It's been a joy to have you with us. In fact, this is kind of an unabashed plug to bishops. Uh, if if by chance any of our older brothers are listening, um, you want to consider sending us a seminarian intern, uh, send them to us. Because Jim's notes when he comes back from his summer vacation are going to be really good in comparison with your classmates. I mean, you've logged a fair amount of miles and seen some pretty extraordinary things, haven't you?
2: Yeah, and, and really, you know, to, to share our sentiments with Mary about being exhausted, yeah, this is tiring work, but it's also energizing, right? And I feel so just on fire and hopeful and and mobilized for mission and we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we get going but this is just awesome work so if there are any seminarians who you know who who are who have this apostolic mindset and who who want to who want to be agents of restoration uh this this is the place for you to come
0: so yeah just to put another plug in for yeah you know even as you're saying that when i was uh when i was in the seminary one of the things that i used to think about all the time when i would pray with the gospels I would picture, this is one of the reasons I love The Chosen so much, because it's they've done what I've always imagined they did, like they did on the show, what I've imagined they did, which is, you know, you can just imagine the disciples are out during the day. They're doing all these things. They're with the Lord, and they're watching him minister to people, raise the dead, you know, like walk on water, quiet a storm, you know, feed 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread. And then I imagine at night, like the Lord goes to bed, and the 12 are sitting around a fire, and they're going, can you believe this? Like, <laughs> what the heck is going on here? So what, what would be, you know, if, if you were to try to share with people, and I just want to say this really quick, you know, you're in the seminary. Please, God, you're going to get ordained if that's the Lord's plan for you. We would love it. Um, but what, what you're about to talk about is, is relevant for everybody uh, because the things I think that you want to share are applicable, you know, certainly in a in a particular way to uh, seminaries and to priesthood, but I'm thinking of immediate applications for men, um, for the relationship between men and women, for teams. And so uh, just want to put a word in for that, but what would you share have been something like the the three biggest takeaways from just the time we've been able to spend together?
2: Sure, Father John, I think uh, number one is as I'm thinking and reflecting on these past two prosperity retreats we've been on, um, I think there is an awareness and a recognition among the guys, among the priests of the need really just to know each other and to enter into some authentic friendship. Um, That seems to be a common wound that's coming up, that the guys just don't know each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And what they crave, and Father, exactly to what you said, what we all crave, regardless if you're lay or ordained, is authentic friendship and human connection. And we need that. Like that's how That's how God designed us. He did not design us to do life alone. He did not design us to do ministry alone. Like We need each other, and priests need each other, and seminarians need each other as they go through formation.
0: I'm thinking of a comment that one of the guys made on one of the retreats recently where he just said he did a lot of uh, youth ministry, young adult ministry, and he says, you know, I love working with uh, younger people because they go deep really fast. And then he just made the observation, and he acknowledged, like, I know this is true for me, too. But he says, we don't do that as priests. We we tend to stay at a superficial level. Yeah. Um, and that's true for men in general, I think. You know, you, you Mary, I mean, you, you and your sisters— you, you go deep quickly, I think, at least once trust is built, right? This is how
1: we're created.
0: Yeah, I mean, guys are, you know, like, hey, how you doing? Ah, really good, really busy. Yeah, did you watch the game last night? Yeah, it was cool. There's no depth.
2: Yeah, it's easy for us to stay, especially as guys, to stay on that surface level about sports, work, and that's about it, right? Like, that's where we kind of live comfortably. Uh, but for me in the seminary in a particular way, what has facilitated this And I can't put a plug into or plug this for maybe seminarians who are listening, who are thinking like, I want to go deeper, but I don't know how. For me, it was huge forming an intentional small group, praying about a small Mm. group and like, just ask the Lord, like who is God placing beside me right now? who I can just go deeper with and be vulnerable with. And for me, that was a game changer my first year in the seminary. Um, Because I was, I was used to kind of living, uh, especially with other guys, on this surface level. But that really allowed me, especially it was intentional about who the Lord uh, was placing in each other's lives for that particular reason. So guys, if you're out there, just Pray about that, yeah. and I think the Lord will shine a light on who those people are, and just invite them into that, ask them to pray about it. And if it's of the Spirit, He'll bring that together. And for me, that was a game-changer, and it continues to be a huge part of my formation. And I can tell it's the Lord's way of doing some preventative medicine work mm. uh, to kind of to kind of tackle this now in the seminary so that it doesn't become an issue once we're out yeah, there
0: ministering. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking of the application immediately for men and women in general, you know, like— um, f- uh, find some people. I know a bunch of guys who love doing men's groups. Uh, you know, Rick, uh, who we mentioned earlier, who's going to do the, uh, the the mission guys with with Nick. He just uh, drove over to, you know, the parish we used to serve at. And he's over there at 6.30 in the morning. And, you know, there's 100 plus guys who get together. And then out of that are a bunch of men's groups that regularly get together. Like, find people to, to you, you would say, to do, do, life. Life, do life with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay, so... A plug right now. So one of the key takeaways is we're made for communion. Um, Tragically, the people who are like, I hate to say it this way, but in the business of preaching the gospel and talking about the God who is communion struggle with communion. And so we can settle for superficiality. And so it's a call to go deeper. Yeah, absolutely. So, I love that. Yep. So second thing you said that you wanted to share as a takeaway is something like somebody called it that we went to uh, be a part of uh, something like a sub curriculum. that um, I think the way this woman put it is, is that we, quote, unquote, teach without actually formally teaching it. You want to speak into that? What do you mean?
2: Sure. I, I, I want to start by... Um Just giving praise to Mary for the role that she plays. I think in so many priests' lives, and in my life in particular, especially at when we were, you know, when I was uh, in in discipleship and evangelization at the parish, how you were such um, a role model for me. But more important for that, you were a spiritual mother for me, um, and you still are. And that is huge in seeing. And seeing how you work with Father John and the rest of the rest of the Axe family is just that. How how um, it's it's this the way in which laity and clergy can come together to for mission and how they can work together and how your voice, Mary, and how there's women's voice is so important to speak to guys, especially in the work that you do to speak to priests, like seminarians and priests. We need that motherly. Um, that voice uh, just because it it can speak it speaks to us in a way that you know a man's voice does not a brother's voice does not it's a mother's voice and I think too um, the way you guys modeled the, the way in which you worked at the parish where there was there was such an integration of of laity and clergy and how that's really important and again like I think that's how God designed it he didn't design it just to be a bunch of you know priests in a room doing this like you know, you you really complement each other, and and you work together seamlessly. And I think that's important for me and for seminarians to see that like this. You don't have to do this stuff alone, right? Like when you get out there, like there are there are there are going to be men and women who God's going to place around you to help you on this mission, and and their voice is really important in that.
0: You know, uh, we, we talk often about our three essential principles for transformation, the second of which is, you know, uh, it's not enough to be a staff or more than a staff. And there's a lot of things involved in that that we've talked about on other occasions. But what comes to mind is I'm, I'm listening to you. Um, so many priests I know, I, I, I was probably like this for the first X number of years in my priesthood, they thought of the people they served with as their staff. As opposed to like my brothers and sisters that I'm on mission with, my family. I mean, of course, the pastor's got to like he's the one who's ultimately responsible for things. But that doesn't mean he has to know everything. That doesn't mean he has to uh, maintain an aloofness from the people that he works with. He only needs to do that if he doesn't trust them. But if he trusts them. If they're doing life together, if these are the people who are responsible for prayerfully discerning God's vision and plan for the parish or for the diocese or whatever it might be, well then, you know, like do you think Jesus was aloof from the twelve? Right. You know, like who who's got more authority than the eternal Son of God? And you know, Jesus is saying, Hey, would you guys keep watch with me? You know, like, so if that's true for him, then it's certainly true for us right? I always say like Moses needed 70 wise people. That was Moses. How many people do I need? Like probably like 700, right? And so we are very deliberate about uh, when we go anywhere, everybody's talking, everybody's doing something. You do a whole day presentation. I do a first day and then the rest of the time, it's the team, you know, Rick's facilitating things, Rick's, uh, Nick's facilitating things, Albert's doing things, Charlotte might be doing stuff. You've done stuff with us, Jim. And so The the church has to get out of the the mindset that Father does everything, and then he's just got some support Mm -hmm. people.
1: Can I just uh, speak into this, too? Because I remember being... in the parish. And there was a pivotal moment. I think we all knew it because we came together as a team and we prayed regularly together. Yeah. And it wasn't just, you know, we talk about, you know, the need to have a new mind, a mindset shift. But when you move from becoming just a team, you know, a staff to a team and then ultimately to a family, it's a heart shift. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there was this recognition. We actually gave voice to this one time in prayer as we were coming together to pray. You're no longer, you know, John, you know, Chaplicky, you know, the principal at the school. You're my brother. Right. You're no longer Sandy, who's the DRE or whoever it is. You're my brother and my sister. And something changes then, and it solidifies the mission. And we know we have each other's back, right? Yeah. And, and, and we couldn't do what we do on mission without y'all. And, and, and I do think there is a role for the feminine genius, whether it's Charlotte, whether it's me, whoever that might be, because we have our own unique way of speaking what it is God wants to speak. And we may touch someone that y'all might not, and you're certainly going to touch folks that I'm not going to, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. And, and I think, too, it's really important because I'm trying to think, like, what does this look like in the seminary? Because, like you said, we need to start doing this now I am incredibly blessed to um, call my best friends to people who um, who are from the parish that we all served at, um, and they took me in, and I live with them, and, and they're my best friends, and I do life with them, um, and they are a huge part of my formation so formation's not just in the seminary formation happens outside of the seminary so by all means you need to divest in friendships and brotherhood in the seminary but don't discount friendships outside of the seminary yeah, that's not. a great
1: point
0: point. And, and, and you know like immediately for me two things come to mind first jesus you know like so jesus not only has the 12 with him um you know luke talks about these women who accompany him and the 12 and, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, extraordinary work that's been done by some really good uh, scholars and whatnot about who these people are, some of whom we know, some of whom we don't. But they weren't simply there to cook and clean. Yeah. They were doing mission together, right? And then with Paul, who, who so marks our work, you know, we were talking the other day, you know, arguably two of Paul's best friends are just like you're talking uh, is a married couple. Priscilla and Aquila, who show up in three different locations where Paul is, right? Like, he's doing life with them. There's no no room for solitary, um, isolated ministry. Like, that's not human. It won't be And and we're seeing what it's doing to guys, right? So we could go all day long on this. I know. Third thing, and I know this is is something like a plea from you. You've been struck a couple of times, I think, in these last few presbyteral uh, retreats by something that, I don't think you'd seen before.
2: Yeah, so we were at sort of the the banquet dinners uh, in Kansas City and Toledo, and I looked around and I saw all these young guys kind of scattered throughout the room sitting at table, and I'm like, these guys look like seminarians. And sure enough, they were seminarians, and that was like, I, that was mind-boggling to me. Like, I mean, seminarians get to get to come to this and get to see the brother priest together. And specifically in this last one uh, in Toledo, the vocations director came up and was just introducing all the seminarians. He had no notes. He spoke for like two or three minutes on the background, the story of each of the seminarians. And I was floored by that. And the guys just, I could tell the seminarians up there because I'm one of them, like, they just felt welcomed and accepted and honored and known. That's the big. That's the big word. Known. Like and and, and because in three four short years, like those aren't just going to be the priests of the diocese anymore. Like those are going to be my brothers. Right. I'm going to be sitting at table with them. So mm-hmm. to have an opportunity to see them now and to see the fraternity and the camaraderie fills me with a lot of hope. Uh, and it, I know it filled them with a lot of hope. And to be able to just get to hang out yeah. with with the priests in an informal setting, not at the parish, I think was just such an
0: Awesome opportunity! It was so great. I just loved to be it. more explicit, like the guys weren't there waiting tables. No, like they, they were, were sitting at the, the tables table. with the priests, right? Yeah. And just like you mentioned, uh, when the vocation director for the Diocese of Toledo stood up and he introduced every guy. I mean, it wasn't simply like here's Jim Musgrave, uh, here's Bob Schultz, you know, here's whoever. He knew where they went to high school, where they grew up, where they went to college, what they did for ministry, all the things they've been doing over the last year or two. It was unbelievable. I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah. It was a beautiful it, witness. It, it was extraordinarily, yeah. right? Yeah. I, you know, like I would translate that as a priest as, hey, welcome. My my, my brother is in the Lord yeah. already, yep. but my potential partners in mission as priests now. now. Like now. Right. Not later. Now. now. Right. That's yeah. the operative word for this episode. Now. <laughs> now. All right. So um, what's different about you now versus when you arrived a month ago? Well, my pants don't fit anymore. <laughs> um, I
2: don't sleep. Uh, no, no. We eat a lot. Yeah. We eat a lot That's
0: and
1: part we don't of doing sleep.
2: life. No, um, to be honest with you, we talk about, and those who are familiar with the work that you all do when you're out doing this presbyterate retreats, like we get into some heavy stuff, right? Um, it, but in a, in, a, in a weird way, I've been renewed with the sense of hope um, for what ministry, what priestly ministry can look like because of the work you're doing, because of the work the Lord is doing through Acts 29. So I'm just, I have a renewed excitement. And, an, and an, it's like, it's, it's an, to see that there are people out there, there are guys out there who are catching this apostolic vision and who are ready to go on mission. Um, It's just been extremely, um, gives me a lot of peace, um, but it also gets me really excited. And I'm supercharged. I feel ready to go on mission. And the mission, Father John just said, it starts now. And I'm sensing, and the Lord is speaking loud and clear, like the mission is going to start in the seminary. Mm. So I'm ready to go on mission in the seminary, in community life, uh, and, and to just help guys not just survive the seminary and, and just get to priestly ministry, but thrive in the seminary and form these good habits and in, in, um, ways of, of living life and in, in, in a vision for what priestly ministry is look going to look like in this post-Christendom world. So I'm ready to go. Like, let's love it. like as much as I love being with you
0: all, like, there's a lot of work to be done in the seminary, and I'm ready to do it. Good, we're ready to get rid of you too, so it's going to be perfect timing. I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of... You know, we do. We do the first night of the priest retreats. It's usually kind of a sober night. I mean, we look at the metrics. It's a real night, actually. That's that's what guys always say after the first night. They come up and go, so we're going to be real, aren't we? And it's kind of like a permission for them to open up. You know, not to wallow in how bad it is, just to acknowledge the metrics don't look really good, right? And so uh, it's a sober night, and then we, we kind of end with this challenge that comes from Christendom to Apostolic Mission of, you know, the early church had far worse metrics than we do. They, they had no seminaries, they had no seminarians, they didn't have a gospel, they didn't have any money. Uh, they had no experience in foreign missions. There was one country with Christians in them. A few hundred people have ever heard of Jesus, but they weren't discouraged. They were ecstatic yeah. yep. and eager to go on mission. And then we just challenged the guys, is that our attitude? Right, because right. we need to have that attitude, and they were, they they were of that mind, because they knew Jesus and they knew He was Lord, and then we finished the first day before you do uh, the deep work of healing, Mary, and we just soak in the gospel, and then Rick always facilitates this thinking feeling, like you know, like what's going on in your brain, what's going on in your heart, and one of the guys stood up and he goes, let's kick butt, you know, because. <laughs> yeah that's the response to Jesus is lord like right. and and mindful that you know the the kicking that we're doing is the enemy and the enemy is hell not another human being and i i think that's what i'm seeing in you it's like yeah it, it might actually get really bad, bad but so what yeah like so what Jesus is lord yeah. and there's a lot of rebels to win that's right. and his his heart is is not just uh, poetically being given to us it's actually being given to us in the extraordinary gift that is the Eucharist so I'm ecstatic uh, to have you with us alright so mission starts when? now Mayor? now that's right. So not when I'm <laughs> ordained not when I get married, not when I finally get a job not when I get out of school mission starts right now wherever we are that's why God's created us for this moment that's why God's given you the gifts and the talents that you have and he wants to exploit you in the best sense of that word. So because all of that is true, do not be afraid. God is with you and you were born for this.